As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In order for you to learn from your failures, you have to analyze it and then you have to change things accordingly. And what the average person does is they fail, 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 give up on to the next thing, fail, 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 give up on to the next thing. And they never become successful at one thing because they always give up and they don't stick with that problem long enough. Hey, James Jarvis, welcome to episode 216 with Spectacular Smith. This episode is brought to you by Buttermaid, a shop for luxuriously handcrafted bath and body products. The creator of Buttermaid is actually our former Dreams and Drive guest, episode 105, Art Steele. She's a lawyer by day, but also a creator at night. So many of us have multiple passions. So I'm excited for you all to learn about Art's new venture, Buttermaid. And what I find interesting about Art's story is for the past 10 years, she's been making her own lotions and body products, which actually was inspired by a horrible eczema breakout that she had during her second semester of law school. From there, she was led down the path of natural skincare, and the rest is history. The line is committed to using ethically sourced and environmentally friendly natural ingredients. So if you want to try some dope artisan soap, body wash, body lotion, or whipped sugar scrubs, make sure you visit buttermadeshop.com and use the code DID to get 15% off your order, all right? So let me tell you a little story. So during my teenage years, guys, I was a huge Pretty Ricky fan. I love the songs, Grind On Me, Your Body On The Hotline. Like those were the songs and all the dances that all the girls were just going crazy to. Um, but I want to focus in on one of those group members in Pretty Ricky, who's our guest for today, Spectacular Smith. And we're going to be talking about his shift from boy band sensation to entrepreneur and running an Inc. 500 top company ad wizard. We talk about the evolution of his hustle from his Pretty Ricky days to figuring out how he can make money on Twitter and leverage these parody accounts to building AdWizard from the ground up, even though he had doubters along the way. There's so much business gems in this episode. And there's also just this underlying theme of having grit, having hustle, being consistent, never giving up on yourself that I know you all will enjoy about Spectacular's story. So if you love this episode, which I know you guys are going to love, please make sure that you're sharing with a friend. I love it when you guys are screenshotting on social media, whether you're tagging to Instagram stories, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Make sure you're tagging us. We're Dreams and Drive across the board on all social media platforms. And you can also use the hashtag Dreams and Drive when sharing as well. And if this is your first time listening, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications every time we have a new episode. All right, so let's jump into this. Um, we're going to start the conversation with Spectacular talking about what was inspiring him as a kid. Man, when I was younger, I really never thought about much about, you know, just having fun and just life. I just always just wanted to have fun, dance. Um, it was never like a rap thing with me. It was always about hustle and getting what I wanted and bat flipping. And, <laughs> and I used to bat flip on the grass at the school. And, and, uh, you know, I, I was always, always into like looking good clothes, nice clothes and just nice things. Uh, two way pagers, phones before people even had phones. I had a prepaid phone, bought my little girlfriend a phone back then. <laughs> Where'd you grow um, up? I grew up in Miami, Kara City. Okay. And I know, I think I was reading in one of our article that you had like a candy business as a kid. Yep. Yep. I had a, 
a candy business. And I started off in the third grade. From the third grade, I actually got a bunch of candy bars in the school, asked me to sell it. And, you know, as a as a third grader, I'm like, all right, well, cool. You know, I get to sell some candy. I see my mom doing Avon Hustle. Mm-hmm. Back then she used to sell, you know, crystals and she used to do all type of stuff. So I see my mom hustling all the time. So when they asked me to sell a candy, I was like, wow, I get all these prizes. They gave me the little workbook. I get to see all these prizes and awesome things. And, you know, I sold thousands of dollars worth of candy and I turned my my money in and we went to get the prizes and I literally got a bubblegum beeper and a yo-yo and I turned (laughs) in thousands of dollars. So I knew it was for the school, but, you know, third grade, I felt like I was getting robbed. You was was getting gypped out of money like, yeah, (laughs) I was like, come on, you're going to give me like imagine like turning it like I'm a kid, though. I'm still in third grade, but I just gave you a lot of money and you gave me something that my mom would go to the store for a couple bucks and go buy for me. Now the yo-yo back then it was like the brain and like I don't know if you know the about yo-yo ones, but right? Yeah, they had like little special yo-yos, but I mean at the same time it still was like a robbery. So I told him, yeah, I sell it. Second year came around to sell a candy again, and I was like, yeah, I sell it. You know, <laughs> and I took all the candy this time. I kept it and <laughs> kept the <some> money. <laughs> Even though I think now it's like, oh, that was all bad. But yeah, I kept the money as a kid, ate some of the candy, and then I started my own business with the money. And, yeah, I was, um, a, I was a flipper of money, too. I had a little lemonade stand, although my dad was like, Raina, you cannot do this. It's not sanitary because we used to rinse out the cups after people used them. <laughs> He was oh, like, man. I don't want people getting sick. Stop this. So we switched to cookies, yeah. but neither my best friend and I, we couldn't cook. So it was like people were just buying our cookies out of sheer, I guess, support because it wasn't actually good. Um, What do you think were some of those early lessons, though, that you were learning about what it means to be successful? Right. Because I feel like even as kids, there's things that we we pick up on. I guess after going door to door and helping my mom sell candy and me selling candy and selling $10,000 worth of candy in the third grade and getting robbed and getting the bubblegum beeper and the yo-yo. Like at that point, I realized that, you know, you got to work for yourself. Sometimes you just got to take things into your own, you know, your own account and just really come in and, and, and take inventory and make your own money. Because if you're working for somebody else, a lot of times you're going to get compensated the right way. So that was one of the lessons. Uh, my mama always taught me how to hustle and and just not even teaching me, just really just seeing her and the way that she handled handled things. And, you know, she never settled for one thing. Like she always had different streams of income, no matter what it was. She had her own job. She had her own hustle. And my mom had four kids. My dad went to prison for nine years and she was a single mom. So she had to do a lot of things. My mom did credit card fraud. Like she had all these felonies and things like that. My mom got shot five times. Um, So, you know, it was a lot of things that happened as a kid that I didn't even really understand back then what was going on. But now I'm older. I was like, dang, mom really did all she can do to make sure we ate at night and make sure we had all the things to feel good about ourselves and seeing other kids have other things that she wanted to make sure we didn't feel like we didn't have. So she did a lot of things just to make us feel great about ourselves. And now, you know, my mom went from having felonies and everything to now she's a pastor. She she actually, you know, feed the homeless. She has a, a old folks home, a group home where she take care of elderly people. And just to see that transition. So growth is everything to me just to see my mom go through the things that she went through to raise us mm-hmm. and just to see where she's at right now. So that was just a valuable lesson on knowing how to deal with the life circumstances, like the cars that life give you and taking those cars that you have and making the best out of it was, was super impactful to me. Another thing is when my father got out of prison, you know, he really taught me a lot of things on how to deal with people. You know, what's the difference between people who have money, and people who don't have money, you know, what's the difference between people in the hood, the people who stay behind guarded gates and, you know, starting my business again within high school, I realized that, it was a lot of things that I could do in the hood. You know, I can double my profit when it comes to the suburbs. So I learned how people, menta- I learned the, the mentality of people and 
in a less fortunate situation and, you know, how people act when they have, you know, all the money in the world or their parents are rich or, you know, they got cars and everything like that. But so I, I got to pretty much see both sides of the fence. You know, I was in high school with a brand new Lexus, brand new Jaguar, you know, a Honda. <laughs> like, you also were in truck. a boy band. You were also in a group too, right? So. Yeah, I was in a group. Um, so it was always, and, it, and it's kind of funny, like through my through my whole life, like I've always been an entertainer and an entrepreneur all the way from third grade, like selling candy at nighttime, you know, going to talent shows, dancing on stage. Like it always been my life. And, and even saying this out of my mouth, really, it's, a, it's clicking to me like, wow, like mm-hmm. my whole life has been entertainment, business, entertainment, business, uh, selling business, like dancing. And, you know, I was in the dance group from third grade all the way to middle school. Then from middle school, my father forced me to get in the dance in the group with my brothers. They was rapping and I was just the only dancer jumping around on stage dancing and stuff and one day they just gave me a verse and the females went crazy and from that point forward they put me on all the songs so is that how pretty ricky got started yeah kind of yeah sort of my brothers and them was rapping and um and you know they decided to put me in a group and from that point forward i taught myself how to rap i always been a self-taught type of person i never was a person who Somebody like kind of broke everything down to me step by step. And like I was always a person who just somebody just threw it at me and then I just figured it out and made it happen. So from rapping to selling candy to like I'm a good observer and just like figuring things out, seeing how other people are doing things and then bringing it back home to myself and figuring out ways it could work for me. So I did the same thing with dancing. I think the same thing with selling candy, did the same thing from from rapping um, and entrepreneurship. So everything has always been both of those. So Pretty Ricky popped off when I got out of high school. So we was performing all the way from middle school all the way till I graduated. And sometimes we would do two to three shows a day. And we was absolutely just going crazy on stage because we didn't really have records out. So our whole sticking point was us performing in these crowds. Sometimes it'd be one peop- one person not in the crowd. Sometimes it'd be three people. Like, it didn't matter. If we had a stage, we went crazy on it and we just gave it our all and that started building us a huge fan base. And when they used to say, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks is coming up, like, females used to rush to the front of the stage and and back then it wasn't no YouTube, it wasn't no, no social media, nothing. So No it was cell phones or videos on it really, nothing, right? Nothing. So everything was word of mouth. So these are all people who who had our song on their voicemails and fell in love with us. So once we once I graduated, we end up taking off with our song called Grind on Me. It became the number one requested record on on the Miami station Power Ninety Six. And it blew up from there. Uh, Craig Kalman, the CEO of Atlanta Records, came down. And when he came down, he he asked us to perform. We grabbed some forts and knives and went crazy in front of him. He tried to sign us on the spot. Uh, we went through, you know, my dad was like, ah, hold up, <laughs> you know, we go sign, but let's let's look over this paperwork. So we end up signing with him. January, we did the album. February, we um, re- released the album. March, we started selling 30,000 albums every single week all the way to platinum. And the first single went platinum, uh, Grind On Me. Second single went platinum, Your Body. And like going from that point forward, it just was a buildup. Wow. That's like, you know, hearing you recount all that stuff, I think the thing that's so interesting and so motivating is that you said there were points when y'all were performing in front of audiences that were like less than five people. Right. But that didn't stop you. Why do you think that's so important for even people, dream drivers today? Because a lot of people now, like if they don't have if they post a picture and they don't get three likes, they're taking it down. Right. Or if they if they launch a product and they don't get the response, they think they're ready to give up. Like, why do you think that's so critical to success now is keep is that, you know, perseverance and keeping going no matter what? Because successful people fail all the time. Successful people take losses all the time. When a successful person fail, they fail, fail, analyze and then they take what they analyze and then they edit 
what happened. And then they try again, fail, analyze, mm-hmm. you know, switch it up, try again. And they keep, it's this cycle that keeps happening, keeps happening. And in order for you to learn from your failures, you have to analyze it and then you have to change things accordingly. And what the average person does is they fail, 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 give up onto the next thing, fail, 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 give up onto the next thing. And they never become successful at one thing because they always give up and they don't stick with that problem long enough. I just posted some on my Instagram stories uh, of Albert Einstein saying like, he's not like he, he didn't feel like he was smarter than anybody. He just felt like he stuck with the problem longer then people stick with the problem to find a solution. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's vital in everybody success, no matter what it is. You know, if you decide that you want to become a successful musician, then the first single you put out is not going to be a smash single. The third, the fourth, the fifth, it might be 20 singles in a hundred singles in five, 10 years later for it to finally pop off. But it's consistency and being persistent is what gets you there. And mm-hmm. if you don't have those in your tool belt, then you're not able to become successful. You're just going to quit every single time. And then when the next shiny object come, then you go run into that and you'll never really find your true passion and your true success. Were you happy during those pretty Ricky days? Because, you know, you also had this hustle spirit in you. Did you feel like that was being fulfilled or was there a, a yearning within you to do something else during those times? So pretty Ricky, I never like I never was a guy who wanted to go in a studio and create like I was never that person. Like I go to sleep, just wait for my turn <laughs> to rap. But I always loved performing. So that was my passion. So I didn't care about the music part of the of the art. I cared about the choreography, putting together a great show and seeing the, the reactions of the fans. So that was always my love and my passion. So long as I was on stage and you know then it was girls you know i was always into girls so i was like not infatuated with women i just love women even at a young age it was more about actually having that rush that adrenaline like that 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 energy that comes in you when when i hit the stage so that was always great and then like also like while on stage, I always had my business part. Remember what I said earlier, always entertainment and business. So as I was in the group Pretty Ricky and sold out shows and number one albums and top billboard charts and all those great things, I was actually running parody accounts in the, in the background and learning that I could make money on Twitter. So I started creating systems and processes on creating viral formulas to make different pages go viral on Twitter because I'm just one person as one celebrity it's hard for to make it's hard to make one brand just go viral and gain thousands and thousands of followers even with my formula so I started creating different parody accounts or different pages that I can feel like would go viral just as much as me if not more than me so I started creating all these different accounts and making them go viral. And from that point forward, you know, I was like, okay, I got, I got a system, you know, and I started killing it, making like three grand a day. I was still in the group, pretty Ricky. We were still doing tours. Did they know about it or were you kind of doing it on the side? Like this was your secret thing. It wasn't a secret. I'll talk about it, but nobody knew what I was talking about. You know, back in 2009 and I'm talking about selling traffic against, uh, ads, you know, as against traffic that I'm sending from Twitter, from, you know, different articles or different things. Like they don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So to me, it made sense to them. I was speaking Spanish or French and they only spoke English. So I would say something to them, but you know, it wasn't really much I can say. And then I would actually help them out and like start making money and start getting pretty Ricky page and everything like that going and making monetizing but then twitter ended up suspending all my accounts because i created a a brad pitt account and everybody thought brad pitt joined twitter everybody was celebrating everybody stopped following the page and it went up like a hundred thousand followers within like the first couple of days wow because i had an angelina jolie account too that was that was massive at the time nobody really had a million followers and stuff back then so my account had like three hundred thousand followers so I used the Angelina Jolie account to to bring on the Brad Pitt account, and everybody thought it went 
thought it was Brad Pitt. It was on the homepage of Twitter and everything like that. And they suspended my account. And when they suspended my account, I reached out to try to get the account back. And, uh, and they was like, oh, impersonation and all this stuff. And then they looked into all my other stuff and they deleted all my How accounts. many did you have at that point? At that point, I think I had like 30 accounts that I wow. was growing on autopilot. And, you know, I had Cat Williams, Will Ferrell. I had like three Will Ferrell's account, Eddie Murphy, Jay-Z. And these are all parody. Like people knew they were parody or the people think they were the real ones. I know for sure that everybody else thought that the rest was parody accounts. But for Brad Pitt, I was like, man, I want everybody to really think that this Brad Pitt <laughs> so it grow as fast as possible. And then I'm going to slap the parody name on it. But by the time it, it went, it grew so much attention. By the time I went to go put the parody name on, I went to log in, it was suspended. So it was a little greed at that point. You know, I knew I had a formula that was going to work and, and had a steady growth. But, you know, I, that was another lesson. Don't be greedy. You know, I know that for sure it was a working formula, but I wanted to gain as much traction as possible, as fast as possible. And I, you know, I was being greedy at that moment. I wanted to not put the parody name on. And, you know, as a kid, you not really think about that. You're just thinking about the short term gain. And I didn't focus on what mattered was the marathon and just putting the parody on, let it grow. And at the time I had like over 6 million followers on all my accounts. So imagine making three grand a day and then all your accounts get deleted. So now that's just go flat. So what did you do? Cause that could be a lot of us face setbacks like that. How did you navigate past that? Especially if that was one of your main revenue streams. Yeah. I was just laughing about it. I, I like, I never cared about money. Money, like even now is still not a thing to me. Like I don't, I care more about the success and the numbers versus like the money part of it. And it's like a gift and a curse at the same time, because, you know, certain things you just, I just don't care about. It's just like, it's just money. It don't matter. And I think that when people wrap their mind around more about the passion and the product and, and what you're doing, then the money comes. And that, that's what always happened to me. Like I never cared about rapping. Like it never, like I never wanted to blow up as an artist and never, never crossed my mind. I want to be famous. I want to be, it never crossed my mind. I never cared. Like I still don't care. And uh, even like with business, like, you know, if my shit hit rock bottom, I know I can get it back. So it don't, it don't matter to me. So if I lose everything today or tomorrow, like I know I'm going to get it back. I know how to do it. I, know, I have a formula that works and I can implement it in any business. So it doesn't really bother me. So when I go through setbacks, I just wrap my mind around, okay, you know, what do I need to do now to get it back to where it was or you know, what do I need to study more? What books I need to read? What podcasts I need to listen to? Who I need to connect with? Who I need to help more so they can help me more? And think of ways like that. And and it always works for me. And I focus more on the mission versus the money. So even though my money flatlined, it wasn't like I was making 60 grand, 50 grand a night on tour. Like a I didn't. Okay. It, a night. Okay. Wow. Yeah, That's we, a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. money. Well, I still had to split it with my brother. So uh, it's four of us in the group. But still, like we were still on like doing 65, 67 city tours. At that time, we had the the third fastest, uh, highest grossing tour for, no, the second. We was number two for that year on the touring. But But like long story short, I didn't really care about the money part. So when it happened, it was just like, all right, cool. <laughs> Let me, what, what can I learn from this? And what I learned was not to be greedy. So they forced every single account from that point forward to put parody in their bios. So every account you see on Twitter with parody in their bios, that's because of me. <laughs> they made it, they made it a rule because of me. Yeah, influencer for real, for real. That's influencer yeah. for real, for real right there. But um, were you fiscally responsible, though? Because I think that's something that, although you might not have been concerned about the money as it was coming in, looking back, do you feel like you were making sound financial decisions? Financial decisions? It was never really about decisions. I was just doing what I love to do. I love to see accounts grow. I love to start an account from zero followers and grow to a million followers. Right. Mm -hmm. When I grew Grumpy Cat from zero to like million, a million followers, like I didn't know the cat was going to be worth a hundred million dollars. I was just like coming in to actually have fun with a parody account and make create memes mm -hmm. and like, you know, do shout outs and do promo and automate the account and 
create content. That's all I cared about. So it really wasn't about the financial part of it. It just ended up coming because I had a way to monetize what I love to do. And that's basically what I'm doing now for other individuals. Let me ask you about that, because I think there is um, I don't want to say a problem, but I think a lot of us. Right. We have these gifts that we're so passionate about. But some of us, some of us never actually realize how to make a life from these talents and these gifts. What would you say to somebody that you see? Right. Let's say let's say, you know, somebody who has this dope gift. They're truly gifted, but nothing really comes of it. Like, do you feel like everyone has to find a way to monetize that passion? Some people don't have the right team around them Mm -hmm. or put together the right team. Most of the times people don't focus on the right things to even monetize what they have because they're too busy either worrying about other people and what other people have, or they're not focused on the things that's actually going to move the needle in their life. And that's what I see a lot of people get caught up on. It's not necessarily that they can't monetize it. It's the fact that they can monetize it, but they're focusing on the wrong thing. And it's like the 80-20 rule. A lot of people, businesses, it's the things, it's the 20% that's bringing 80% of the revenue. But people focus on the 80% and not on that 20% that's bringing that 80%. In life, you have to figure out what's that 80-20 rule for you. You might be making a hundred grand, right? But out of that hundred thousand dollars, the thing that that's out of the 10 things you're doing is two things that's bringing $80,000 of that money. And the other eight things you're doing is only bringing that $20,000. So why are you focusing 80% of your energy on the things that's only bringing 20% of the results? Mm. You need to put focus on those two things that's bringing 80% of the results, which is that 80,000, and now put focus on the, on that. Now, instead of you having $80,000, I mean, $80,000 for those two things, now you're multiplying that times 10 or times five, because now instead of you making 100,000, you're making 500,000, because now you double down on that 20% and made that 20% 100% now. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't do that. And and that's what I think is holding them back. And and really understanding this narrowing down, this is what I'm great at. God gave everybody a gift that you're better than the next person at. And you know it's your gift when it comes easy to you, but harder for the next person. And it and it's it's just effort efforts effortlessly easy for you. You're just like, wow. Like, it's like, how do you do that? It's like, that wasn't even hard. Like, what do you talk about? That, like what? Doesn't... You can't do that. You can't write a paragraph. You can't write a it's bio. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's easy. Like why, why is that hard? Like, and, and you think it's so easy, but really it's hard for people to do that. And, and that, that shows you your gift. And a lot of times people around you could point out your gift. It was like, yo, like you're really good at that. Like you, you need to put focus on that. And you take it for granted because you just feel like it's normal to you. But in reality, it's like, no, bro. Like, you just swam three laps underneath the water. Like, bro, people can't do that. Like, <laughs> I can't hold my breath for 10 seconds. You just did it for two minutes. And he's like, oh, no, but that was easy. I think people got to put focus on that. Build the right people around them that's going to help support their vision and their talents and double down on it. So give us a real life example. How did you put that into practice when you were building out uh, the AdWizard business model? Right. Because I'm so impressed by all that you've been able to do over. When did you launch it? In 2016 or 2015? What year was that? So in 2009, I was actually doing it for myself. And I went from creating the parody accounts, making money by myself to being it was a leaderboard. It was actually called mylikes.com, who was the. Uh, the middleman in this whole thing. And they had a leaderboard of who was making the most money out of a hundred, hundred million people. By me having this credibility, I was able to convince people for me to run their accounts. It was like, bro, you don't have to do no work. I'm going to automate everything. I'm going to run your page. You know, you have a page of 600,000 followers. You got a page with a million followers. Like, you know, let me take over. Let's do a rev share deal. And that's when it all like that, that was really the birth of it, honestly, of the idea. And it went from that, and I had it as a different name, 
to me realizing that I can do this for not only myself and for, for other parody accounts that's huge on Twitter, but I can actually do it for different real celebrity who have verified pages. So after going to Facebook and realizing that Facebook was the most viral content because I was speaking to, you know, two other guys about social media and they was telling me about Facebook. I realized that Facebook was the place to be and it was way more viral. So I started putting focus on Facebook and realized that, wow, like the pages are growing way faster and everything. So I was like, man, this is really killing it on Facebook. So I started signing different artists and saying, Hey, you know, I'm making all this money over here. Like, let me, give you money, give you a guarantee on what I can do and take on your page and now monetize these millions of followers that you have that's just sitting there. You know, you put all this hard work and effort and energy in building your brand, but you just have money just sitting there. And I'm making, you know, millions of dollars off my own situation. So let me bring this to you. And I created a strategy where I gave the money up front this is unheard of. I took something that was great in one area of business and brought it to a whole nother industry and disrupted the industry with a model that didn't even exist. So as a musician, when you get signed to a label, they give you an upfront advance and then you recoup the advance and off the money they spend off your portion, you basically got to pay that back. So I've implemented that same strategy into this whole social media technology business. And I came to these artists and was like, all right, cool. Sean Kingston, I'll give you $40,000. You know, uh, Jay Holly, I'll give you $20,000. You know, let me take over your social media channel. And from that point forward, we make money, we split it accordingly. And now you got mailbox money coming in, passive income. And I'm doing 100% of the work on my team. And all you got to do is just sit back. And another thing I did was add a guarantee. So now they had no risk. It was nothing they had to do on their end. And they could guarantee every single month that they was going to make a certain amount of money. And that's how I grew my business as one of the fastest growing companies in America. Wow. And ended up making the Inc. 5000 list. And from that, I grew 1,600% in three years. That's amazing. Like, you know, and what was the hardest part, though, for you in this whole business scaling process? Right. Because you had this great idea. You had these clients who are ready to go. But what was the biggest hiccup? The biggest hiccup was being black. Really? That was the biggest hiccup. Why? When I first started my company, when I first started my company, you know, in the urban community and culture, like people don't support people don't support you. You know, when they know it's yours, they feel like either they're making you rich or they don't want to support you or they're like, oh, you own that. And they feel like they're doing you a favor. And even when I first started my business, I put a white guy as the owner, you know, just to be strategic. I was just like, you know what? I know people are going to hate on me. So I put a random, took some random picture off the internet and put a name, slapped the name on it, Ryan something and made him the CEO of the company. You know, and and made me the co-founder, like you know, so it looked bigger in people's eyes because that's how people think. So I had to play into that, and it was even to this, you know, even to this day, people still don't like jump straight on it, even though I have so many much credibility, I make so much money, you know, even out of eighteen million registered companies, I'm two hundred and sixty-two fastest growing out of everybody in America. They still have their red flag up. So what I did was I kind of like put, you know, the white guy in the front as the owner and me as like the supporting system. And once I got to a point where I felt like I was I, I had enough um, skin in the game or more or not even skin in the game, but market share, then that's when I switched the roles as the founder. I, dra- I gradually put me under and then I put me as the CEO and then I made that transition. But, but I will offer 150 grand up front and they still didn't do business with me. They'll go to you mean you know, like the white other, man in the suit. And other, other, just so I get this right. Other like celebrity clientele. It was hard. It was a hard sell to yes. people. Even though I had a proven track record, people still didn't go like some of your favorite celebrities. Like I sat down with and offered them. Like I wasn't even coming empty handed. 
every other competitor I had only knew how to monetize the following, but I specialize in growing the following and monetizing wasn't really growing the followers like that. So you start with a million, you end with a million. You start with me with a million, you got 7 million. Wow. So it was hard for them to keep up with me, but people still didn't go with me. They didn't go with me. And um, to this day, they still, you know, people still have challenges with some people, uh, but it's not as bad as it was before because, you know, my credibility, credibility is through the roof and I still have challenges. Uh, so there's always going to be a challenge, I feel. No matter how great you are, you're still going to have that that race car there. And, you know, I, I don't, I break through the barriers on everything from being on Forbes to Inc. 5000 to entrepreneur best property held companies. Like I don't, I don't let that stop me on anything I'm doing, but it is a, it is a factor. And, and I don't, I don't let it stop me and it never stopped me and it never will stop me. So even those guys who denied me at that point, it all come back and, and try to work with me. And, you know, it's up to me and how I feel at the time. If I want to <laughs> do work you ever you accept not. them or do you kind of just say, hey, God, you missed your chance? Oh, yeah, I do that a lot. You know, I do. I do the miss your chance a lot because it's a it's principle to me. Yeah. So when people try to come back, I kind of, you know, it depends on how I feel. I, like if I feel like you just like shot me down and didn't give me a chance and Really, that's all I was asking because at the beginning point of starting a business, I knew nothing about business. You know, I didn't go to school for none of this stuff. Everything was self-taught. And I learned everything from books, courses, programs, seminars, and podcasts and mentorship and things like that, learning from my peers. So a lot of stuff that I was doing, it was all like throughout this process, I was I was picking up nuggets as as I went through my journey, but it didn't, it didn't take away from my ability to do what I was great at, which was growing a social media following and turning your followers into dollars. Like, but the business part, I was still learning on that end and just understanding how people work and how people think the psychology of people and especially of our people. So when they tried to come back to me, some of them, I would tell them, no, you know, a lot of them, a, or a lot of them like, Hey, you know, you know, give me a call back. Like I wasn't even like celebrities. I would just wouldn't even text them back, call them back. Cause I just feel like it's really principles. It's like, if you see that I'm better than this company, I'm offering you more money and you still don't go with me. It's just at that point, I just feel like, wow, it makes me feel some type of way as a business owner that's bringing value and can compete with the best of the best, if not better than the best. Mm -hmm. And you still don't go at me, but then I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. You go and do what I just said not to do and didn't believe me because you felt like, you know, either I was hating or I don't, I don't really know, but you go and they do exactly what I told you they was going to do over promise and under deliver and then you come back to me. It's like I can't help you at this point because I tried to warn you. You didn't listen. And now you come in back for me to save you and repair the damages. And I just feel like, you know, I deserve better than that. So it all depends, man. It all depends. So it's every case is different. But for the most part, yeah, if you try to come back. I had a conversation with you. You know, years later, because now you see me on Forbes. Now you see me, you know, now you heard about Grumpy Cat and the hundred million. And like now you hear all these things going on. It's like, nah, don't try to come back now. You know, you got to understand what's what's in front of you and the opportunity that presents itself. And a lot of times you might just want to do business with that person just because you see the potential in that person. You know, it might mm -hmm. not even be right in front of you right now. You might be giving that person a chance to build a business and that person that was an intern at the record label becomes the CEO of the record label, but you believed in that person and then you gave them the opportunity to become better. Then you, you actually see that person grow, then they can reach back and help you up. But the crazy part is that wasn't even the situation. I was literally better. Yeah, you was already every, lit. Like you was already. Was, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But I was just saying, like, even like the people who are listening to this, sometimes you might have to give certain people opportunities and chances based on their ability to become great in the future. 
So a lot of people miss out on those opportunities and they don't, they don't see, they don't see the vision like right now. So people are so short-sighted, like they don't see far. And, and I don't know if that's the one, far side, near side. I don't know which one, but whatever that is, where you can't see far, I think it's near, near. Yeah. You're not nearsighted, right? You can't see far. You just see right in front of you. So a lot of times you got to be able to see that, see the potential in people and invest in them and, and invest in a vision and, you know, and let them, you know, try the things that they want to accomplish and, and try to use you as a person to help them out. Cause people remember that. So when these people become, imagine all the people who believed in Bill Gates before he became Bill Gates, how he felt about them right now and the things he would do for them right now. Think about, you know, before Diddy became Diddy and the things that, you know, he would do for them right now and the people who supported him and helped them like people don't forget that so and then people do remember how you make them feel you know people want think people people remember like how you make them feel and the things you did for them when you didn't have to do it and that's how i even feel like i'm so thankful that you even said you know we're talking about this before we got started for the show but just you even taking the time to speak to me on this podcast because to me it's like yo like you're on a different like I would say you're on a different level when it comes to your business and stuff and I'm not there yet, but you seeing that potential and you seeing that persistence and you seeing the, the work that I've already put in, right? That's something that I'm gr- very grateful to. And I want to also encourage people, don't be scared to push and to pitch yourself, right? Because it's, it, it's, the answer is always no if you never ask, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, I preach close mouth, don't get fed. If you don't ask and somebody will never know what you need if you don't ask. And the, the smartest people know when to ask and how to ask. And that's one of the main things is mastering that art on how to ask, when to ask, and, you know, don't be scared to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, as we wind down Spectacular, I could not have you on the show without asking you this, this question about social media, right? Since your company is in the business of helping people grow their social media accounts and monetizing, what do you think is like the biggest mistake that a lot of smaller scale businesses are doing when they're trying to grow their social media present? I think they don't invest in themselves. Money, it, it, call, it take money to make money. Everybody who understands that you need social media is winning right now because you can no longer be a logo you have to step behind that logo. People want to pull back the curtains and they want to see who's behind those curtains. And that's why you will see somebody like Cardi B just become a massive star because she's so vulnerable. She's so real and authentic and people love that. You know, it's sad to say, but that's why Donald Trump is the president because people want real, right? He He showed you exactly who he was from the beginning of his campaign, he never changed, never switched up. He was, he was, uh, um, you know, um, a hole from the beginning. <laughs> I was, was about to say out. that. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's like at the end of the day, people want authentic. That's why you have people like the city girls popping off. Cause they just like straight up telling you exactly what they want, who they are. And they not sugarcoating. And a lot of people live through people like that. That's just being, you know, straight up honest and just being who they are and being authentic, authentic to themselves. That's what it's about. So if you're trying to grow your social media, being authentic, investing in yourself, get influencers involved that that aligns with your brands to promote you and get your word out to the masses. But if anybody really want to learn from top to bottom, I actually have a free training that I'm actually teaching, you know, everybody who's who, who wants to listen and I could do something with you guys exclusively and go to helpmegoviral.com and actually, you know, sign up to my free training or you can just text the number 786-661-1224, text the hashtag course and um, yeah, and learn all the tricks and trades on, you know, how to automate your accounts and you know, and how to find viral content and all the amazing things that I learned throughout the process of building social media channels. I give a lot of good nuggets and those actual uh, in the actual live training. Uh, So y'all can check that out, too. 
I'll put that link in the show notes so everybody can get that. Helpmegoviral.com. Yep. All right. Um, you know, so as we as you're thinking about where what's next, right? And the legacy that you're building, like you have a lot of stuff that you're doing. I feel like you've been doing a lot in the personal branding space and making sure people know your story. You have like the love and hip hop, uh, sh- that realm as well. You have, do you still have your Moolah music group as well? Yes, I have Moolah music group, but what I'm right now, I'm in the process of building on that and creating a touring company. Um, a management company and the the digital part of the business. So instead of being just a Moolah music group, it'll be Moolah music digital. And we basically going to take over digital and making sure that we have an experiences for people actually having uh, a tour experience and then actually take it offline from just uh, um, a song music, going to a concert to taking it to, an island and creating a venture with your favorite celebrity and creating oh, wow. a lifetime bucket list experience with some of your favorite celebrities and, you know, take it to the next level for that. My whole goal for anything that I do is to disrupt, you know, when McDonald's uh, decided to do drive throughs they got that idea from a bank, you know, looking at another industry and bringing it to another industry. So once McDonald's put the drive throughs in, then everybody started doing the drive-thrus. Now this became the norm for fast food restaurants. So I want to do the same thing with the music industry, bring my marketing abilities and the things that I know people want and bringing it to the touring business, you know, to the record industry and singles and subscription models and things like that. So, you know, it's going to be called Spectacular Nation. I'm thinking a name right now. And we're going to have all those umbrellas underneath it uh, to really give fans the experience that they want. So how do you stay balanced? How do you make sure that you are staying level-headed and clear as you embark on this next journey in your life? Level-headed? I mean, that's I mean, like, you know, I mean, the sense of like, you know, because I feel like you have a lot of stuff going on. So what what do you do to make sure that you're staying balanced and that you don't, you know, get too stressed or do you like the stress? Oh, nobody likes the stress. You mm-hmm. lose. Uh, I meditate to release my stress. So I meditate once a day and um, I'm really supposed to meditate twice a day. But, you know, I do my three minute affirmations and uh, my meditations and my visualizations because the brain can't tell the difference between what's real and what's was not real when you're visualizing it and you're telling yourself this thing over and over again, you're actually able to trick your brain to believe in this is real. That's what I do all the time. So a lot of things that you see come uh, to life is all things that I visualize. And I tell this one story in my head over and over again until it happens. So just really just focusing on what matters. Like I say, 80-20 rule, focusing on that 20% that bring 80% of the results. Stand organized and, you know, keep the stress off me and just build, man. Just build and stand focused and stand persistent and consistent. I think that's, that's the formula to success for me. And where can our listeners find you online, Spectacular, if they want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about your your company and what you're up to? Yeah, so actually, you can actually listen to my podcast, The Spectacular Experience. It's uh, hit number one on the music uh, top 200 charts on Apple Apple Podcasts. So you can check that out. It's also on Spotify and you know Google Play if you have an Android uh, Google Podcast. You can check that out. It's called The Spectacular Experience. And also, man, rate this podcast, you know, make sure you give it five star. If you feel like it's five star or however you feel about it, leave a review. I love to read the reviews, even on other people's podcasts. And same thing for mine. Subscribe. Make sure you leave a review if you love it. And uh, everything on my social channels is I Am Spectacular. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything is I Am Spectacular. The only thing that's not I Am Spectacular is my Snapchat which is I am spectac. Um, and you know what? Here's a bonus question for you, just because you're in the hot seat and why not, right? Um, for someone from the podcast experience, like what advice would you give to someone like me who's been hustling for the past three and a half years? And really, you know, I love storytelling. I love telling people's, 
you know, personal stories about how they went from park to drive. What's that advice you would have for me, Spectacular? When it comes to what? Uh, to like growing the podcast and growing the okay. Dreams and Drive brand. So I would basically get everybody who you interview to have them help promote your podcast. Um, so when you interview somebody, you create promo material and have them promote it on their social channels. So you have uh, a story promotion that they can do a swipe up with for their stories. You can have a feed post and like basically give them a package, a promotion package for the interview that they just did. And I feel like if you do that, then you'll, you'll be able to see tremendous growth just off of that alone and turning something that you don't have to spend money on into asset for you. Because now you have the person you interview and promoting to their fans, which wants to hear it anyway. And at the same time, it's going to grow your podcast and bring more awareness of you about you and your podcast and your brand. Thank you. Yeah, that's something I try to do. I always send people like the graphics and then the audiogram. So like a clip of the actual audio that they can share. But the thing that I'm realizing yeah. now is I have to make sure that people actually do it because that's the thing. People say they'll do it and then they don't. But the people that do, it really does help. So I think that's something that anybody, if you have some kind of show like this, that's really great advice. Thank you so much. It's all love. All right. How you felt about the podcast interview? Uh, I think it went well. I was kind of nervous because, you know, I feel like people, when they hear your name, I feel like a lot of people want to, like, they want to hear, like, the pretty Ricky story. They want to hear, but that's not my beat. So I just want to make sure, like, I really, I love the conversation we have. So I just hope that people, you know, really listen to the end because I think you were sharing so many gems. And I, I'm really surprised to hear about you talking about you being black and people not taking you seriously, even celebrities. Like, to me, that's crazy because you. I feel like that makes you even more credible, you know? Well, that was the beginning stages. That was like okay. me first launching the company. And maybe I didn't um, make that clear, but that was basically when I first started. It's like, oh, this dude from Pretty Ricky trying to like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. <laughs> get access to my page and promote my promote my stuff. But I just feel like in general, just period, like sometimes that is an issue, you know, and yeah. um, and, and things are changing right now. Whereas where people don't feel that way like that no more. But at the beginning, you know, that was definitely a, a struggle I felt because they were like, oh, like, you know, these white people got their company for three, four years and you just starting, you black. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't. I, that's that's just how I felt because there's no other reason for them not to do it. But. But yeah, that was just, you know, see, this is what is great because they come in for one thing and they leave with another. And I feel like once they get drawn in for, oh, spectacular, pretty Ricky, and then they realize, oh, shit, I just walked away with a bag full of gems. Like, yeah. it's going to it's going to it's going to blow their mind. And like, even if people listen to my podcast, like they like, oh, shit, like, like damn, I even know all that. So like once I start breaking this stuff down you go from old spectacular pretty ricky and you leave like oh man i i got a pen and a pad full of notes because yep. you just share some shit that i i really need to to take action on so and it's a good example of people like don't be don't be afraid to show your smartness you know i think a lot of times like within the black I don't, I'm not a black male, so I can't say anything, but I feel like some people are scared to show that they have these other interests outside of what the mainstream culture is. You know what I mean? Like it's all right to be nerdy about like tech and social media and to go deep beyond just knowing how to post and take pictures. So I really think that you're an example to people to show like you could be into music, you can be into this, but there are other parts of it and deeper facets that you can you can proudly show your like like intellectual like curiosity with. I really, I really, really um appreciate that about you and our conversation today. All right, well, cool. Yeah. So my journey is to like really preach on everybody involved and get everybody with the right mindset because we've been we've been held back for so long. And when people actually get out in the world, they feel like nobody helped them. So when they come up, nobody helped because they feel like nobody helped me. So I'm helping you. So somebody has to break that cycle and it has to be somebody who they look up to. 
And that's why I respect so much what Diddy is doing because he's reaching out to the community and he's teaming up with Jay-Z and like, he don't have to do all that shit. He already rich. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to do that, you know? And after having a conversation with him and he's telling me what he's planning to do for the culture, like I'm all down for that. So, oh, and I forgot to tell you, uh, we didn't talk about this, but I'm actually launching something uh, for the community to be able to invest with their favorite celebrity. So we're going to, I'm going to start creating products for some of these big celebrities, but I'm going to make it where the people can come in and invest and be equity owners in these, these successful uh, campaign launches that I'm going to do with these celebrities that don't know how to start a product. So I'm going to show them, I'm going to start the product for them. Brand it is going to be theirs. And then I'm going to give the community an opportunity to invest with them to have ownership equity in those companies that I launch. So that's coming too. Wow. You know who I feel like? I mean, you probably may have connected with him before, but I feel like you and Nipsey together, y'all would have been like a, a powerhouse. Man, I was to meet with Nipsey. We were supposed to meet twice. One time some shit happened. I went all the way down to LA for him. Some shit happened, some emergency shit. We didn't get to meet. And then we were supposed to schedule another time that we were supposed to set up together and we just didn't meet, man. It was like I and and, and we was we was coming, we was trying hard to connect together, but it just never happened. Mm. And the fact that I already know what was gonna happen. Because he was on the same thing I was on. He was on the technology. He was on the growth, growth uh, trajectory. Like everything was like on his way up, you know, yeah. with him and 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 what he was doing. And 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 it was it was fucked up because he was working on his end by himself, and I was working on my end by myself. But we realized that we was both doing the same thing, but in our own corners. And we was like, "Yo, let's put this together." And that's where we was at. And that's when he died. He died that same week. Wow. But the work lives on, right? We could talk forever. I will let you get to your day. Thank you so much. um, And we'll be in touch, okay? All right. So that's a wrap for episode 216 with Spectacular Smith. I hope you enjoyed his dream driving journey as well as his keys to success. And guys, you know what I'm going to say. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with a friend right now. Don't delay it, right? Screenshot it, post it to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are online. And make sure you tag us as well. You can find us at Dreams and Drive on all those platforms. You can also use the hashtag Dreams and Drive when sharing. And don't forget, guys, about Buttermaid Shop. If you want to support former Dreams and Drive guest Art Steele, her new venture, please visit buttermaidshop.com and use the code DID for 15% off your order. You can try out Art's Artisan Soaps, body washes, body lotions, and whipped sugar scrubs. I personally recommend the body lotion and sugar scrubs. I love them, and her scents are phenomenal as well. Before we go, I want to give a shout-out to our most recent review. As you know, I'm always asking you guys to subscribe wherever you're listening, but to also leave reviews, especially if you're listening in on Apple Podcasts. And we had one review this past week that really touched me, and I'm going to read it. And this is coming from Smiley 89 and it says... So I literally listened to all your shows in two weeks and I got to episode 200 and honey, I thank God you did not stop. Do not stop. You're a purposeful person. I appreciate all your guests and your voice is a blessing. Thank you so much. Like it was crazy to me to read that somebody binge watch dreams or binge listen to dreams and drive, right? Like when you're building something, you often don't realize the impact you're having. You often don't realize just the repertoire and just how big your library of knowledge and resources is. So to know that someone started from episode one and listened all the way up to episode 202 weeks, that is amazing and that's inspiring to me. And I hope that anyone out here who's building something, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep pushing. You might have to put it on pause, put it on neutral for a while, but don't give up on it. Even as Spectacular said, there were so many, you know, moments where he had to kind of readjust, but he focused in on what his passion was and what his gift was, and he is thriving now. So let that be a lesson for all of us here today listening. Let that really inspire you to Give it your all to get very focused in on what your gift is and how you can leverage that and how you can really build a brand that is of value in this world. 
If you want to be part of our Dreams and Drive community and get our weekly newsletters, please visit www.dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join to be part of our online newsletter. I appreciate you guys every week. Keep tuning in. Keep sharing the show. Keep being inspired. Keep pushing on your own dreams. You got this. Keep dreaming. Keep driving. And we'll chat again in episode 217. Bye, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.